So good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship today. We are so glad that you are here, many of you here in person with us on this Labor Day weekend, and others of you who are joining us online, um, you might be away. I've seen a lot of people away at the beach this week. If we haven't met before, I'm Catherine, and uh, please take a moment and, and introduce yourself to me after the service if you're here for the first time or if you're newer. I appreciate many of you have been, begun wearing your name tags again, and I really appreciate that. And and just a word, if you, if you don't have a name tag or you've lost it sometime during COVID and you can't find it, we'd be happy to make another one for you. Um, so on your Connect card, just put, need a name tag and, and put it in the offering boxes up at the front and we would love to get a name tag for you. Uh, we appreciate you wearing those as it helps us to be able to, to get to know one another and connect with each other. Um, for the past three weeks, we've been looking at embracing the challenges of Jesus the first week, Steve talked about just the small things. Jesus said a cup of cold water. Um, the smallest act of giving in the name of Jesus is an act of compassionate welcome. The next week, I talked about um, showing mercy, showing um, mercy and, and grace to those that um, we often overlook, to those that seem inconsequential to us. And then last week, Steve challenged us to be laborers in the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, and God needs workers, and God is calling us to be those workers in the kingdom. Today, the challenge is for us to give ourselves fully to Jesus Christ, to realize that following Jesus is no small commitment, and in fact, it can be quite costly. All of these challenges come from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 9 and 10 that we've been looking at. And chapter 10 begins with Jesus calling the disciples and sending them out on this mission. And he tells them that they're to cure the sick, they're to heal diseases, they're to uh, cast out demons, they're to raise the dead even. And he instructs them to take nothing with them on their journey, but to trust fully that God is going to care for them along the way, that, that God is all that they need. But then as if that challenge is not enough, Jesus goes on to tell them more about how costly the journey will be. This morning's scripture is from Matthew chapter 10, verses 23 through 49, and I, I invite you to follow along with me. Jesus is talking to the disciples, again, before he sends them out on this mission, and this is what he says. Disciples aren't greater than the teacher, and slaves aren't greater than their master. It's enough for disciples to be like their teacher, and slaves to be like their master. If they have called the head of the household Beelzebul, it's certain that they will call the members of his household by even worse names. Therefore, don't be afraid of those people because nothing is hidden that won't be revealed and nothing secret that won't be brought out into the open. What I say to you in darkness, tell in the light. What you hear whispered, Announce from the rooftops. <clears throat> Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Instead, be afraid of those of the one who can destroy both the body and soul in hell. 
Aren't two sparrows sold for a small coin? He's talking about being sold at the temple for sacrifice. Aren't two sparrows sold for a small coin? But not one of them will fall to the ground without your father knowing about it already. Even the hairs on your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who acknowledges me before people, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But everyone who denies me before people, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Don't think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I haven't come to bring peace but a sword. I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. People's enemies are members of their own households. Those who love father or mother more than me aren't worthy of me. Those who love son or daughter more than me aren't worthy of me. Those who don't pick up their crosses and follow me aren't worthy of me. Those who find their lives will lose them. And those who lose their lives because of me will find them. This is hard stuff, folks. And yet I say to you, thanks be to God for the word of God, for the people of God. Amen. Let me invite you to bow your heads and pray for me this morning and sharing this message with you as I pray for you in receiving it. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A string of beads. In these verses, we see this rabbinic teaching and preaching called a string of beads. It was a series of brief observations and admonitions strung together like a a string of beads on a piece of thread with a single theme. Jesus is instructing the disciples to prepare for all the hostility and suffering that they will receive as they go about their work. And he wants them to cling to him and to cling to what they have experienced together. The thread that goes through all of this is that they need to know and remember that they have to get this job done as disciples of Jesus. And it's about the radical choices that they have to make in their life of discipleship. It's not really um, a bunch of disconnected teachings, but more quick instruction that they will need to sustain them on this journey. And so Jesus talks about three main themes. The first one is expect opposition. As disciples, we should expect opposition. Jesus says, if they call me Beelzebul, how much more will they call you? I love just being able to say Beelzebul in a sermon, right? Beelzebul. But, but you can tell from the context that Beelzebul is not a good thing. It actually means Lord of the flies or, or Lord of the dung or Prince of demons. 
If they call Jesus those things when Jesus is Lord, can you imagine what they will call members of his household? Can you imagine what they will call mere followers of Jesus if they're willing to call Jesus Beelzebul? But that was the religious and the cultural context in the first century. It was volatile. Matthew's church, and remember Matthew's writing the gospel to Matthew's church, had without a doubt been called on the carpet by religious councils. They had been ridiculed and rejected by public officials and and even shunned by members of their own family, repudiated because of their mission work. Following Jesus was costly. Jesus goes on to say, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. Now we know that Jesus doesn't mean a literal sword because in every instance we see Jesus rejecting violence of any kind. But he does mean that he will bring division. It's not that he wants there to be division, but he knows that his presence will simply bring division. As disciples They're getting ready to jump on the bandwagon, and he wants them to know what they are up against, what they're signing up for. Those of us who are disciples can expect opposition. We can expect division because complete loyalty and commitment to Christ logically means rejection of other things, even if that means division with the family that we love. So much for family values, right? We can't fully commit to Jesus unless we understand that 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 takes precedence over even the most valued and sacred relationships that we have. Those of our parents and and our lifelong partners and, and our children, our grandchildren. Saint Francis came from a very wealthy family and uh in in Assisi, and he was Uh, seeking to embrace Christ fully. And as he did that, he divested himself of all of his family fortune, all of his father's goods and wealth. And it cost him greatly, not those things, but it cost him his relationship with his father because his father never spoke to him again. In fact, it is said that whenever Francis was walking down the street and he was walking past his father, that his father would spit in his direction. How painful. You know, 20 or 30 years ago, even 10 years ago, we might have discounted how faith in Christ and commitment to Christ's teachings could have caused family division. But not today. How many of you have lost significant friends, or close family in the last few years because of your views about how it is that Jesus wants us to live? How many of you have experienced deep divisions with friends or family because someone disagreed with your understanding of what it means to stand up as a disciple of Jesus? It's not that Jesus wants to bring division, but simply His presence and calling in our lives does bring division and opposition. So point number one in this string of beads is to expect opposition and division.
That's followed by point number two, though. The second theme of this string of beads is a reminder to us. A reminder to us that we will also, on the journey, encounter God's love. Jesus says, don't fear those who abuse you. Actually, Jesus is so insistent that in this whole section, four different times he says, three different times, he says, don't be afraid, do not fear. He encourages them to speak boldly about things that they have previously only talked about in private. He tells them not to worry about what they say in front of the authorities because they answer only to God. And then he takes time to remind them of how fabulously precious they are to God. He tells them not to worry because they are of more value even than, than two sparrows. The disciples are worth so much more than many sparrows. When I was in Tallahassee in my first appointment, I was serving as the associate pastor at a church and it is then that I remember, I, I think it was the first time that I had ever heard the song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. It was sung by a, a student um, at FSU, that other school. Uh, he was a music major. He had a beautiful baritone voice, and, and he was singing this as a solo in our Sunday evening service. And before he sang, he told us how his grandmother used to sing this to him, and she would tell him over and over again that God was always with him, that God loved him, God would never leave him. And so ever since, that hymn has been one of my favorite uh, hymns. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion? My constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Notice that the song doesn't say nor does the scripture say that the shadows won't come, the difficulties won't come. We know that they will. We can expect opposition and division, but God is watching over us. God cares for us. God sees us. God's eye is on the sparrow, and how much more is God, is God watching over us? Don't be afraid, Jesus says. Don't be afraid because I am with you. You remember at his birth, Jesus is called Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. And then the last words that he spoke to his disciples, he said, remember, I will be with you always. The bookends of his life, God with us always. Nothing in the world, nothing the world can do to us. No division, no opposition, no shadows, no difficulty can destroy God's watchful, and loving care for us. You are fabulously precious in God's sight. God cares for you. God sees you. Don't be afraid. God loves you. You are fabulously precious in God's sight. The third theme on this string of beads is to anticipate 
decision. This is the challenge, the ultimate challenge. Following Jesus means that you will come to a point of crisis in your life and you will have to make a decision to give your whole life. Jesus goes on to tell them, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Jesus is telling the disciples that his coming causes a crisis of loyalty and forces a decision. If we belong to Jesus, we will have to make choices. We can't compartmentalize our lives with our faith over here and then everything else in little boxes over here. It doesn't work that way. It's simply the reality that Jesus shakes up our values and reorients our priorities and, and rearranges our goals. We can't be a follower of Jesus on Sunday mornings, but not on Saturday nights. We can't act like a disciple in how we treat our family and friends, but not how we treat the stranger or the server or the one cleaning. If we follow Jesus... It will affect our whole posture. We will have a different posture, a different kind of life than we would have expected. All our decisions will be based on what it means to follow Christ and the posture of carrying the cross. Several years ago, I went to Cuba on a trip with United Methodists, and we were visiting lots of churches, and we went to one, one small Methodist church, and I noticed something on the wall, and I guess it was in the, on the wall of all of the churches, and um, it was a chart, and down the left-hand side of the chart were dates, every, every Sunday, dates, and across the top were names, names of lots of different individuals. And then under each person's name, it said attendance, tithing, serving, participation in a small group. Hmm. And I looked, and you could see for every single Sunday the person's name, and then worship attendance, check. Tithing, check. Participation in a small group, check. Service, check. And I asked the preacher, and he said, yes, that um, the chart is full of check marks because those things are expected of members. He said, if someone is not willing to do those things, then they are not allowed to become a member of the church. Wow, pretty high expectations for disciples. Can you imagine? What if we did that here? Following Jesus means that we can anticipate hard decisions. We can anticipate having to give our whole lives. We can anticipate having to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. Tom Long is a professor and um, preacher, and he said it, says it this way. It's a longer quote, but I, I love it. On the one side... The command to bear a cross is a crisis for Jesus' followers because it appears to be the way of losers and the path to defeat. Bearing a cross means more than just reaching down to help struggling people. 
It means following the way of Jesus. And that involves standing with those who are weak, opening the doors to those who are unacceptable, loving those who are unlovely, cross-bearers forfeit the game of power before the first inning. They are never selected as most likely to succeed. Cross-bearers are dropouts in the school of self-protection. They do not pick up their crosses as a means for personal fulfillment, career advancement, or self-expression. Rather, they deny themselves and pick up their crosses because their Lord, they pick up their crosses like their Lord because of the needs of other people. Mother Teresa says it this way, God did not call us to be successful, but to be faithful. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? What are we challenged to do? To expect opposition and division. But know that God is with you. God cares for you. God sees you. God loves you. And you are fabulously precious to God. And then give your whole life. Rearrange your priorities. Reorient your goals. That's the challenge. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus. I promise you, it will be the best challenge that you are ever to embrace. Let's pray together. Oh God, all of this is really hard stuff. It's not easy to be a follower. It's not all soft and cushy and comfy, but it's hard. You place high demands on your life, on our lives, simply because of who you are and what your love means. So give us the courage we need. Give us the strength we need to take that next step, whatever that next step is for each of us. Perhaps it's a first step for some people here today, a first step to, to say yes and to follow Jesus, to give their whole lives for Jesus. And for some of us, it's a next step um, to be willing to do more and give more and be more of who we are called and, and invited to be as followers of Jesus. So, oh God, we offer ourselves to you. We offer our whole lives. And we thank you that you love us, you are with us, and we are fabulously precious to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.